As 2019 comes to an end, it's time to reflect on the past decade at hand. You know, and, and for us, Jason, it's kind of looking back at what technology products have really excelled and what have fallen flat. I'm Jason Cipriani with Jason Perlow. This is Jason Squared. Today, we're gonna reminisce a little bit and kind of name our top picks and the bottom of the pile for the last decade. So we'll start with you, Jason. What do you think has absolutely won the past decade and been the best tech innovation we've seen in the last 10 years? I have to kind of, I can't narrow it down to a specific product, but I'm gonna to have to say the cloud for me uh, was the most important, most disruptive technology for the past decade. Now, of course, we had data centers and things like that beforehand, but basically every major product that we use today in tech today had, requires cloud to work. Every, yeah. every, and everything going forward, 5G requires cloud to work. All our mobile platforms require cloud to work. Every single major, every, everything, every, every service we access yeah. is hosted in, in a hyperscale or at a cloud data center. So it's whether we like it or not, it's here to stay and, it, and it's going to drive business and, and, and consumer technology for years and years and years to come. Yeah, I think it's an interesting pick and, and definitely one that deserves to be up there. And honestly, when I was going through the list, it didn't even cross my mind. Uh, the cloud cloud computing, cloud infrastructure, cloud storage. And when I look back on the last 10 years, I think the first time I heard cloud uh, floated around was when Dropbox launched and there was all of a sudden there was this cloud storage. And then, you know, Apple jumped on with iCloud Drive and, you know, all that services that they provide. But, but you're right, it, it goes way beyond storage and way beyond daily interaction with files and folders. You know, Twitter, all of their services are in the cloud. Amazon has made a killing off of their cloud services and everything that runs on that uh, in business wise and consumer wise, it's, it's, it's vital. I mean, the internet without the cloud doesn't exist the way we know it right Absolutely now. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. It's amazing how many uh, small, me small, medium and enterprise businesses have moved from their own data centers into the cloud. I mean, you take a look at Netflix, their transformation was, was incredible as to how much stuff they had to move over to AWS. You know, all the, all the major services, all the ones that we know of are all, all cloud-based. They're not running yeah. in private data centers at all. Yeah, it really is. That impact on the small and medium businesses and being able to set up virtual servers and, and you know, propagate like that is tremendous. And I guess my top pick for the last 10 years kind of goes hand in hand with the cloud in, a, in some regard. And it's 4G LTE. I think without that added speed and connectivity that we have in our pockets with us at all times, it's miniaturized into our watches now. We have it in computers and tablets and that always on, always connected. And everywhere we go, at least here in the US, you know, it's not hard to find a 4G LTE signal. Uh, it really has changed not only the way we work, but the way we live and the way things interact with each other. And, looking forward, 5G is going to push that ahead, but I, we're still a few years away from that. But the past decade, I, I don't remember what it was like living without always on fast internet in my pocket. Yeah, yeah Jason, I totally agree with that. And, and it was, it's a critical technology that's gonna to continue to be with us for a very long time, even when yeah. we get 5G, because the two technologies are, are very much go hand in hand with each other. Without, without LTE, we could not have possibly scaled to the tens of hundreds of millions, billions of wireless devices that we have today. Certainly we had 3G, we had GSM technology and other parts. Here we kind of di we diverged a little bit 
with the rest of the world with our LTE technology. It took us a while to sort of align with the rest of the planet. Yeah. But the, the voice over IP technology would not have been possible. Um, a lot of things would not have been possible without, without 4G LTE technology. And quite frankly, 5G would not, that we're working on, would also not be possible without, without, without 4G LTE technology. So that, that evolution that we're, that's occurring, um, you know, is, is, is critical for uh, the future of, of mobile computing. And, and it, was, it was an important, very, very important critical technology to introduce. I kind of wish though that we'd standardized it a little bit better with the rest of the world. I think that's kind of like what we're gonna try to do with 5G, but Hopefully. you know, you know, it, it, I, I, it was a little rough when we first started. I remember when Sprint was the first carrier to roll it out and they got their, the Evos were the first, were the first machines. Yeah. Um, and it took so long for AT&T and Verizon to get their, and T-Mobile to get their respective acts together with it. But when yeah. we finally did, um, it, was, it, was, it was beautiful. There are just so many things that came as a result of, of the rollout of that technology. Well, I mean, just look at the app store and the apps we now rely on on a daily basis. Without 4G LTE, calling an Uber or using Grubhub or playing video games, all of that stuff wouldn't even be possible. And like I said, it goes hand in hand with cloud computing. It, all of that ties into the cloud. And it's just one big, giant, happy communication network that LTE was the catalyst for in reality. Okay, so we have two top picks. Now let's get into the bottom picks. What... What failed and fell flat uh, for you in the last 10 years? So I, I had to think very long and hard about this one because there's, there's a lot of things on the list that I, I just didn't like that I think, you know, completely failed. Um, but the one that I think that has the most negative impact on all of us has been social networking. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, in, in terms of, of, of evaluating its positives versus net negatives, Net negatives these days are, are is definitely winning out over positive, um, and I have to say, you know, both Twitter and Facebook uh, have become just in terms about how it's disrupted our social, our real life social experiences, our real life social interactions with other people. Um, the damage it has done has been so tremendous that I, I have to say I think we need to completely reevaluate and, and redesign um, all these things um, to better. Uh, facilitate actual human relationships than, than these fake relationships and the, the dissemination of, of, of false news and, and all yeah. these other things that I think it, it just has it just, just, just ruined so many. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how many personal relationships of mine have been completely upended because of this technology in, in, in many ways. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. You know, honestly, looking back at the last 10 years, I almost had Twitter on top. If, they, if Twitter had launched in the last 10 years, it probably would have been second or third, maybe even first for my top 10 products. And strictly from a networking professional standpoint, it has helped me land freelance contracts for the last 10 years all the time. And that's where all of my leads have come from. I haven't used LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, not great for networking for me because I put a lot of family stuff on there and I try to keep that as private as possible. But Twitter has been up there Although in the last two years, it, three years, it's really taken a turn and it, it's mentally taxing to be on I any agree. social network and to the point where I may check in on Twitter for news, uh, you know, because that's where news breaks usually and it's part of our job. We have to stay on top of it. But as far as interacting with people on Twitter, I, I tend to shy away from that. And Facebook is even more so. And Unless it's with someone that's a colleague. Like I, I, talk, I find myself talking with more 
other blue checks than yeah. I do normal people. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, and so, so you feel safe talking to another blue check mark if you're a blue check mark for the most part. Um, <laughs> right. Right. You know, I've, I've had some weird interactions with other blue checks, but um, what, what, I, I, sometimes I just cringe, you know, when I see stuff coming in from, from just out of random people. Um, and and the, and the same thing could be said about Facebook, although I, I, I didn't become, I haven't become a verified user in Facebook. It seems to be no. very difficult to do that. Yeah, I haven't either. But um, yeah, it's it, not to say that I don't have valuable experiences on Facebook and Twitter. I mean, certainly on Facebook, I have a member and run a couple of different groups for different things, support groups and stuff. Um, you know, I have a really big restaurant review group in Florida for, for Facebook, which I enjoy. But the amount of sniping and nastiness and just, it becomes very emotionally taxing to, to yeah. be involved with these things. It, mentally, it wears you down. Um, at least it does me. There are days where I just have to sign off, put my phone up, and just do something else, which is a good thing, and I should do it more often without getting to that point. But social networking has taken a toll, not just on individuals, but I think worldwide. And I definitely can see why it would be at the bottom of your list for the last decade. As what was your, and what was your negative, Jason? What did you pick? Mine was Google Glass. Yeah, that was a huge disappointment. Well, and it wasn't a disappointment because the product failed, but because the idea of the product hasn't really come to fruition yet, right? When Google started teasing Google Glass, they put out all these great concept videos and even Microsoft's HoloLens, right? I, although that's a big funky headset you're not gonna wear around the house or out in public all day long. But the idea of this ambient computing, of having information pop in and out of your field of view at all times and not having to stare at a slab of glass and, and silicone in your hand at all times was something that I found incredibly appealing. So appealing, I paid the $1,500 for Google Glass. My <laughs> wife and I flew out to Venice or LA or wherever the Google office was, you know, at four in the morning, picked up Google Glass at 11 o'clock in the morning and flew home at three in the afternoon just so I could be part of those glass holes that you know originally were trying to get Google, Google Glass. I think if it didn't cost $1,500, it would have been different. If it, would have, if it was $200, I think, I think that the technology may have succeeded. We might've seen multiple iterations of it. That, the price point killed it, but also the whole camera and taking pictures of people and the privacy implications and how that blew up, you know, that bar in Seattle yeah. that started kicking people out and not allowing Google Glass, that really turned the conversation from, all right, ambient computing to these are spy devices and there's no privacy and blah, blah, right. blah. You know, and, and so for me, that, it, and it's not Google Glass specifically, but that's kind of the product that embodies everything about that vision fell flat and it was extremely disappointing. And I wish, you know, we could take that to the next level. And I guess that extends to AR in, a, in its own right as well. You know, AR and VR really haven't taken off either. What do you think? Google Glass, good, bad? I, you know what? I, I think there's definitely vertical market applications for sure. AR and VR. Um, certainly HoloLens has succeeded in high-end vertical markets in the aerospace industry and things like that. They have not pushed it out as a consumer product at all. Because it's um, not ready. It's, it's, it's crazy expensive. It has to be tethered to a, to a, a, a PC, except that actually the new one doesn't have to because it right. is technically a PC. But it still is not something you can just kind of run around with because it, it eats up so much energy and it needs a very fast Wi-Fi network to function. Um, but the, the, 
I mean, and certainly, you know, when you're seeing some of the things with, with telesurgery and, and some of the other things that, 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 that they're able to do in the aerospace and, 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 and medical industries and scientific industries, all those things are cool. I have not yet found a good application for an, in the consumer space or in the regular business space at all. It doesn't exist. There's gaming. I mean, and that's always the big sales pitch, right? Gaming. Like, no, give us useful. But how, but how, but look, but look what happened with like Pokemon, right? It was yeah. people went crazy over it for like a couple of months and then it, 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 right. it some, you know, yeah. And, you know, you get, and you get every single time, you, both Android and iOS have these little things where you can put little characters on the screen with your selfies. I, I, I don't even use that functionality. And yeah. I know it's there. I'd never use it. AR stickers, I think, is what Google calls them. And, yeah, yeah they're, they're a gimmick. So anything that fell in the middle of the road here for you, product? Yeah. So um, for me, it was the Internet of Things. Oh, okay. Um, there was, it was, it had a huge amount of promise in the beginning. I certainly Nest, there was a huge, huge uptake on Nest in the beginning. Yeah. It was huge. Um, when, it, when it launched, it was the biggest news in, in all of tech. You know, I, I was the first one to buy one. Um, and, you know, just, a, and then I bought it all the, and then suddenly I started adding all these other things to my house. I had, I started adding smart plugs yeah. and smart switches, smart fans. I have a smart jacuzzi controller for my, for, for my, for my, you know, my hot tub outside. I don't laugh. I actually use it more than anything else. When I, you know, if I'm, I'm an hour away from the house and I want my hot tub to heat up, I turn that on. Um, the, the, you know, and of course we have uh, the rings at the front door and, all, and sure. all, all these different devices, which are internet connected um, by different apps and such. But what ended up happening was is they became all different, controlled by different apps. Um, Google ended up kind of messing up its entire strategy by the way it, 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 that, I guess Nest was not allowed to continue as its own thing. They yeah. wanted to absorb it into their own cloud infrastructure and now everything's broken. <laughs> it's just, uh, I, and, and, and all these products end up getting abandoned when, 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 when they don't, you know, a whole bunch of people buy, you know, a bunch of these hub things for five, $600 and then they abandon and then everything stops working around them. And it's, yeah. you have to replace all your junk. It, it's it, too broken. It, it doesn't work. Our home smart IOT as a whole is too broken, too fragmented. And, and it's a hassle. I a hundred percent agree. I, there are features and aspects of it. I love Nest is one of those, the Nest thermostats. We have two of them, one in my office, one in the house. Use them all the time. We have a Nest doorbell. Love that. You know, we actually just switched from Ring, and I think it's a huge leap and improvement over Ring's product uh, lineup. But at the same time, I for the last two months, I've been tearing hubs and cameras and sensors and all that out of my house because it got to be too much. There's just too much going on. It's, it, you go to one app to control this. You go to another app to control that. And whether or not, you know, smart things from Samsung or Apple's HomeKit has tried to consolidate that, no one has really seen that vision come together. And, and half the time, I just find myself screaming at Alexa to repeat myself like an old man. I'm like, you know. Yeah, hopefully that new uh, aggressive uh, detection feature that they're rolling out will, you know, help alleviate right. that where she starts apologizing to kind of. And the constant record, and knowing that you're being constantly recorded too is yeah, I mean, a big yeah. creepy. There's pluses and minuses there. Yeah, I agree. It's a middle of the road category to put on the list. And I think that's a pretty good list. There's a lot more we could have covered, but 
you know, the last 10 years, a lot happened and consolidating it down. I think what we picked kind of nails the broad aspect of it all. Uh, but that brings up another question. What do our viewers think? Go ahead and leave a comment below with what you think is the best product in the last 10 years and then what is the biggest fail in the last 10 years. It'd be interesting to read through those and see what you guys think. Uh, once again, with Jason Squared, I'm Jason Cipriani. And I'm Jason Perlow. Make sure to check us out at ZDNet.com. Thank you.